Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. We are back in the booth, back in the lab, however you want to say it. This is TK on with Andrew Holly. Holly, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well, sir. You know, off season, off season on the way after a fairly terrible Super Bowl. I guess really the the highlight for me i think of the super bowl was that uh, ed reed commercial i think that was probably the best with the, the all the nfl players and ed reed stalking behind the cake that was pretty great oh um, yeah yeah i mean i've been all right too you know I, I got engaged back in december so looking at some wedding venues these past couple weekends it's a busy time but you know you you hit the nail on the head that commercial was awesome And speaking of Ed Reed, I think there's no better way to start this episode than to congratulate him on his induction into the National Football Hall of Fame. I mean, my favorite Raven of all time, you know, apparently they had the shortest discussion about him. You know, it only took two minutes for everybody to decide, you know, yep, yeah, let's get this guy in there. So congratulations to Ed. Uh, amazing accomplishment for him and, and an amazing accomplishment for the Ravens organization. Absolutely, man. I, I, I have to agree with you. I think when it comes down to it, Ed Reed, Ed Reed is also my favorite Raven. As much as, you know, I, I'm a little bit older than you, so having seen the the really the full scope of all the players on the Ravens and, you know, growing up with Ray Lewis being a new star and and, and and still having that, you know, obviously Ray Lewis, I still have quite an affinity for, but the instant impact that Ed Reed brought to the team. I mean, when we drafted Ed Reed, you think back to the the team was essentially in shambles after all the cuts from the, you know, after the Super Bowl purge. And he comes in as we pick him late in the draft. It wasn't. You know, somehow he was talked about as being this great player from Miami and all, all this stuff. But no one, I mean, you think back, how did he fall that late in mm-hmm. the first round? It seems crazy when you look at his college highlights. And every single one of those college highlights and spectacular plays translated to the pros. I mean, the you just knew. It's everything we talk about missing from Miss Ravens defense, unfortunately, mm-hmm. is that I mean, you knew he was going to make a play, and not only was he going to make a play, he was going to freaking score. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my favorite thing about Ed Reed. I mean, if you you think about like they they said, Deion Sanders was the true four down defender. You know, he'll go lock somebody down for three downs, and then he'll go return a punt. Yeah, but. Ed Reed was pretty much the same thing for much of the early part of his career. I mean, he'd play center field, and if he didn't get an interception, he would go block a punt or return a punt. I mean, he could do it all. He could hit. He could cover. He could dissect an offense. He baited Peyton Manning into interceptions. I mean, nobody did that. Yeah. I mean, what an amazing player. I mean, so I was in the stands. So my favorite sporting moment of my entire life was I was in the stands with my dad for Ed Reed's 108 yard interception return against the Eagles. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Like that play was, I mean, I will never forget that. And me and my dad still talk about that sometimes to this day. So, I mean, thank you, Ed Reed for giving me that moment. But I mean, just plays like that. I mean, you came to expect them out of him. 
rather than, oh, man, we need somebody to yeah. make a play. You'll see, like, all right, you know what? Ed Reed's got our back, and, you know, he's going to do it for this defense. So, I mean, what a player. What a guy. I mean, I mean, what, what a boon for, for Baltimore for him to have dropped that far in the first round. Oh, my God. I mean, absolutely. I mean, what just – I mean, let's just talk – about some of these plays i mean you talked about the play against the eagles then there was the 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 interception at the end of the game it was either sunday night or monday night football against the browns i think Mm -hmm. it was sunday night football and he takes it like 108 yards to the house at the end of the game i think it was one of the first times the ravens wore you know the all black Mm -hmm. and it was just you know it's just it was stupid i mean it it was great watching you know most of it's funny most of my friends that I would typically watch uh, football with at the time. Most of them weren't Ravens fans. I have a lot of friends who were Redskins fans, and maybe actually I have a couple friends who were Bengals fans. It was weird. But, you know, we, I, I was the lone Ravens fan, and when Ed Reed would make these plays, it, it was great to hear the groans from all of my like, <laughs> are you kidding me? You what? You know, so, but that was reality. It's like we got used to these, just mind-boggling, amazing, crazy plays that you come to expect. And, you know, we find out now, post-life with Fed Reed, that it just wasn't that easy, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just amazing. Yeah, truly amazing. I mean, amazing, any, amazing any, player. any overthrown pass, you know, he's taken it the other way. And, and you know, as, as, as oh. relevant as... The Super Bowl overthrown pass by Colin Kaepernick, who comes down with it, but Ed Reed, you know, like he made yeah. plays from his first game with the Ravens up until his very last game with the Ravens, and man, I will, I mean, he's the reason why like, I I love the safety, the free safety position so much. I mean, I in previous sure. podcasts I've talked about our safeties all the time, and that's because. Ed Reed was just so fun to watch, and he's he'll always be my favorite. Gosh, Raven. he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and you know, just I mean, you mentioned a perfect comparison with Dion. You know, mainly because once he had the ball in his hands, he was an offensive player. And as much as sometimes it made you go, God, just go down. <laughs> you know, he would do do those crazy things. I think we talked about, um, you know, uh, on one of the podcasts. Mm-hmm. We. He played the Panthers and he pitches the ball back like yep. seriously 15 to 20 yards to Jawan <laughs> Landry who takes it to the house you know it all works out but the ridiculousness of some of the stuff he would do that did work out now occasionally it didn't and people would hammer him for it probably rightfully so mm-hmm. but can you blame him for trying because it, it usually worked out well I mean here's the thing he played with a lot of bad offenses so if he wasn't going to score, yeah. we might not score for the rest of the game. Nobody so else he had to, Yeah, he had to try. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I mean so, that's the thing. I mean, you just look back. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, so, like, you know, in those situations where he's trying to, trying to make a play and get the ball down the field, and you're like, no, no, just go down, and then he'll make one guy miss, and all of a sudden he's gone, and you're like, go, 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 go. That was like Terrell Suggs on his yeah. fumble yeah. recovery this year. You're like, Suggs, just go down, man. Like, just go down. And then all of a sudden he's out in the open field. And, you know, that just kind of reminded me of the way that Ed Reed used to play. You know, it's, it's amazing stuff. The Lamar Jackson of safeties, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, just 
just fun to watch. And, you know, I'll, I'll never hear two tickets to paradise without <laughs> thinking of Ed Reed. Um, you know, it, he, he was just a, a different personality, you know, sort of that mercurial personality in some respects with mm-hmm. the way his relationship was with the media, but obviously great in the community and probably a little unheralded in the community, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, just, just a hall of famer on and off the field. And it's, it's another, you know, another notch on hall of famer, Ozzy Newsom's belt. And, you know, obviously I think you got to look at some of the other players. I mean, I think Terrell Suggs is on his way to the hall, mm-hmm. maybe Marshall Yonda, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe a couple more hall of famers coming down the pipeline for, uh, Mr. Newsom. Yeah, for sure. Ed Reed, also Hall of Fame cigar smoker. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram <laughs> or anything like that. It, I mean, no, I don't. That is astonishing. The things that he can do with the cigar, it is amazing. So, Ed Reed, congratulations. I mean, <laughs> just, a, just, I can't wait until he his induction speech. It might be one of the more unique speeches I think because he doesn't really typically like the limelight. I guess. So I, I'm very interested yeah. to see what he says. You know, that's that's a really good point. It is going to be interesting because he was very, as much as he was vocal, I think, within the locker room, I think he certainly deferred and didn't mind Ray Lewis being the, you know, leader, you know, slash spokesman of the, the Ravens defense during their years in Baltimore. So it, it will be interesting. You're, you're completely correct. I mean, I he, he's going to, probably be entertaining and and probably fairly insightful you know we're gonna get a nice look into ed reed that we may not have seen before i have some co-workers out in cleveland so maybe i'll just happen to need a uh trip out there for for induction weekend so um i think that's a good plan that's mm-hmm. a good plan yeah absolutely so maybe if we stay on this same theme of uh former ravens uh earlier this week joe flacco was uh, a trade is in place to trade him to the Denver Broncos. The Ravens are going to receive a uh, fourth round pick in return. What do you think about this trade as far as the compensation that we got? And then maybe in the same way that we talked about Ed Reed's legacy in Baltimore, maybe let's let's talk about Joe Flacco too. Well, I, I think, you know, kudos to front office for getting – a fourth round pick for Joe Flacco. I mean, I think, I think unfortunately in past years, we might've been able to get more mm-hmm. in this situation for Flacco because there may have been more competition, but you know, I, I certainly would have rather gotten a, an early fourth round pick than, especially when we don't have a second rounder than to just cut him because it's the same impact on the cap either way. So I'd certainly, certainly rather get a pick. I would have rather gotten a, sixth or seventh round pick than nothing but i'm certainly i'm I'm fairly happy with a fourth i mean i think mm-hmm. like you know when guys like alex smith who've never won a super bowl go for as much as they went for last year it's a little disappointing that we only get a fourth for flacco but it's you know what the market yeah what the market had to bear yeah what do you yeah. think no yeah i agree i mean I, I, we could not expect to get a first or a second rounder for joe Given his contract situation yeah. and given his declining performance, he started out the year hot in 2018, but then he kind of declined and then he got hurt. So then, you know, was the declining performance and the injury, he kind of is a devalued player in general. 
no matter what his contract yeah. is, I believe. So, I mean, I think they did a Absolutely. good job. I think they did a good job to get a fourth, at least, you know, a first big move by Eric DaCosta. I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for this one, like you said, better than better than getting nothing and just cutting him. So, um, you know, legacy-wise, Joe Flacco right now is the best quarterback in Baltimore Ravens franchise history. And as, you know, some people might say like, oh, yeah, but like, you know, he was never that good. The facts are the facts. He brought us the Super Bowl. He he brought us a Super Bowl. You know, the defense wasn't yes. really all that good yeah. uh that year. So I mean he, he was he was he's been our best postseason quarterback, you know, all those playoff seasons. He was at the helm. He handled any criticism with a lot of class. He he we've talked about this before a lot, you know, he just was Baltimore, just kinda like a blue collar guy, came up, showed up, did his job and went home and just was what Baltimore is, you know, not nothing too flashy and, and bring me a ring. And, and I mean, I'm not sure else what I could ask for. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Joe Flacco, as you said, I mean, there's, there's just, there's no competition. He's without a doubt, the best quarterback in Ravens history. He's also, I think it's safe to say he's at least the most impactful quarterback, if not the best quarterback Baltimore has seen since Johnny U. So, you know, he needs to get his due. He's a Baltimore icon. He didn't just bring a Super Bowl here like Trent Dilfer did. Mm. People try to people try to compare Trent Dilfer and Flacco like, oh, yeah, the Ravens just had these caretaker quarterbacks. Well, in Flacco's case, that's a bunch of BS. He had the best postseason of all time. He shattered records that were held by Joe Montana. Mm -hmm. in leading and as you said absolutely leading the Ravens to that Super Bowl that was Joe Flacco's ring so many people like to say oh it was Anquan Bolden bull crap it was Joe Flacco leading us to the Super Bowl bottom line there were some nice stories with Ray Lewis and obviously Ed Reed getting rings and Mm -hmm. all that you know the Harbaugh Bowl all of that stuff but it was Joe Flacco winning that at Super Bowl. And all we need to do as Ravens fans is salute him, thank him. If he comes to town, we better not boo him. Mm-hmm. You know, now, uh, he needs to, I, and that's, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to mean to get up on a soapbox for a minute, but it will really piss me off if we boo Joe Flacco. Yeah. Now, obviously if he comes to town with a, awesome Broncos team. Sure. You're going to boo the Broncos and, and not that we're going to cheer a Flacco, you know, to Sanders touchdown or something like that. But if he gets up on the board, he better not be booed. Right. I mean, he has done nothing wrong to this city. He has been everything, but classy, everything that we, we could have wanted out of a quarterback or really realistically hoped for out of a first round pick from Delaware. I think we should all be incredibly happy that Joe Flacco was a Baltimore Raven. Yep, absolutely. I, I, I agree with all of that. So maybe let's uh, switch lanes but stay on the same highway and talk about some potential ex-Ravens from this 2018 roster. I know we've, we've discussed some guys in the past, but you know who are, who are some guys that you're zeroing in on 
uh, that may not be on this team in 2019? You know, I think, it. you know, from media reports and various lists, it certainly seems like a, a given at this point that both Crabtree and Jimmy Smith are out. I think they're, they're both going to be cut. That seems like it's only a matter of time. Much like Flacco, it's a, it's a shame we can't get some kind of draft pick compensation for somebody as talented as Jimmy Smith, but... Similar to Flacco, he just, based off injury and poor performance, he just doesn't end contract. He just doesn't have the value that probably is going to allow us to get any kind of compensation worth his talent. Um, you know, then there are a couple other guys that are really interesting. You know, I, Eric Weddle, I think, is still a big question mark. I mean, we talk about Ed Reed and 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 how amazing he was in safety. I mean, the Ravens are certainly missing that impact in a lot of respects. I mean, obviously, Weddle brings that leadership and experience and all that stuff, quarterback of the defense, blah, blah, blah. But at some point, the Ravens need to find a tr- truly impactful safety, and I think Weddle may be past that point. Um, um, and then he's not a cut, but – you got to wonder, will Terrell Suggs be back? I mean, we can probably start including him in more of the conversation as we move on to what we want to, what we think we'd like to do with the offseason. But it's going to be real interesting to see what he ends up getting on the open market and what the Ravens are, are willing to, to pay to keep, have him come back. Yeah, yeah, I'm there with you with Jimmy Smith, but I think we might be able to trade him and get some sort of low draft pick. Uh, for Jimmy Smith because, you know, the corners are always at a premium. You kind of look at what did the Rams give up for Marcus Peters last year and what did they give up for Aqib Tlaib last year. So there is a little bit of precedent there for slightly aging corners um, that can play at a high level. And I think Jimmy Smith, close to the end of the year, really got back to that high level of play that he's used to. But... um, you know, so there is some precedent there that so for for some potential compensation that the Ravens could get. Uh, but yeah, I probably agree with you on Crabtree. But then you know, I, I know we're going to talk about the draft soon. But you know, all of a sudden now we're missing our top two wide receivers from this past year. So Crabtree's gone. Um, John Brown was here on just a one year deal. So now the top remaining guy is Willie Sneed, uh, and he is not a number one receiver. So. You know, that's going to be really interesting how those types of moves impact the draft. And I know that you were watching some film of uh, some prospects. Who are some of those guys on offense that are jumping off the paper for you? Well, I, 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 as we talked about, I think I think before the before we started recording, I you're going to talk about more of the defensive prospects. When I'm when I've started to look at guys, I've really focused on some offensive players because at this point, I think. It's fairly obvious with Greg Roman, now our offensive coordinator, we're going all in on the Lamar Jackson experience. Mm -hmm. And I think to do that, you're going to see us go after offensive linemen, whether that be free agents, free agency or the draft. I think we have to go after big bodied wide receivers. It's fairly clear. We've we've made a couple statements, right? Greg Roman did the other day. We're going to be going after an elite running back. So... I want to see that Lamar Jackson offense be created. I want to see big-bodied wide receivers. I want to see a, another running back drafted, whether it's a high-round pick or whether it's a mid-round pick. I think we need to try to get that guy. 
somewhere in the draft to add to the stable. But the guys that really, you know, I, I took a look at were basically, ba- you know, I, I, I used some of the mock drafts I've seen recently of offensive players that that are being pointed as potential Ravens picks. Two guys that stood out to me were Nikhil Harry, wide receiver from Arizona State, and DK Metcalf, the wide receiver from Old Miss. Mm-hmm. Now, both of these guys, not only are, were they dynamic playmakers in college, they, they appear to, obviously we're watching highlights. So I'm sure there are a lot of players that look like they have great hands that, that really don't because you're watching highlights. But yeah. these guys are making contested catches. They're making acrobatic catches. They obviously have a lot of talent in catching the football. Plus, DK Metcalf is ridiculously huge. I think yep. we talked about mm-hmm. his. There's this picture of him. He looks like a He-Man action figure. I mean, the the cut muscles of this guy are absolutely ridiculous. He's a monster. And then you look at the highlights that Nikhil did. So first I watched DK Metcalf, and I fell in love because I'm like, holy crap, I had seen this picture of the guy who's a monster, makes crazy plays on the field. Then I, I watched a couple highlights of Nikhil Harry for Arizona State. Oh, my God, that guy is a freaking playmaker. He also is a return man. Yep. And some of the most exciting plays I saw from him were from returns, punt returns, which the Ravens need to make a priority at some point is to find a real return guy for either kicks or punts. But just both of those guys just really looked like a perfect fit. I think Harry, I may have fallen in love with a little bit more than Metcalf. Now, Now, both of these players at this point are looked at as late first round picks at best it appears mm-hmm. from most most of the the mock drafts i've seen even i've seen mostly second round grades on harry which i think is crazy now here's the thing we of course do not have a second round pick mm-hmm. so if the ravens like him they're gonna have to take him in the, at the end of the first round now he's also a player i anticipate potentially moving up draft boards because a lot of people at this point think he's going to be downgraded because he's got a slower 40, blah, blah, blah. I think as people really start looking at his film, to me, he's one of those players. Obviously, I'm not I'm not a scout, so I'm not trying to uh, look at film, looking at YouTube highlights. He looks like one of those guys that, like a Jerry Rice, he didn't, people didn't act like Jerry Rice had blazing speed, but he had on-field blazing speed. He had game speed. Mm-hmm. His 40 time may not have been great, but on the football field, he'd run away from anybody. So that's, you never know. I mean, to me, I'm watching these highlights and, and Nikhil Harry is is getting away from defenders. I mean, he's got some, some game speed. It's not like he's this slow guy on the football field that just makes content, uh, contested catches. So anyway, those, those two players at wide receiver really stood out to me. Josh Jacobs is a running back. I mean, I'm not sure that, you know, unless there is a massive run on defenders in the first round i don't see him really falling uh falling to us unless we decide to make it a priority and maybe trade up which i think is well who knows what eric DeCosta is going to do but i don't i don't necessarily see him trading up in this draft so he but he is one to look out for if, if somehow he starts falling in the draft i mean josh jacobs i think the thing that impressed me most out of his highlights they they had some plays is where he was blocking mm-hmm. and he was a tremendous blocker. Yep. Absolutely tr- tremendous blocker. So he's he's the total package. 
you know, he may not be the absolute electricity of a Saquon. He's definitely a running back to watch. You know, I want to see us get a fullback. I think it's a shame that we still don't have Kyle Juszczyk. I think he would be almost perfect at this point in an offense with Jackson as a guy that could block and catch the football. Um, Alec Ingold is, it looks to be at this point the high, highest rated fullback mm. uh, in the draft this year. He went to Wisconsin. Yep. He's got Big some interesting uh, interesting highlights. Seems, yeah, Big Ten guy. He'd be a threat inside the red zone. Um, obviously, if he's a if he's a fullback from Wisconsin, you know he's going to be able to block. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, that he could be he could be an interesting interesting player. I think, and it's definitely something to watch out for. As much as I think Patrick Ricard has done an admirable job in his role as the you know two way player, I think if you have a real fullback to go along with Patrick Ricard. I think that makes that big bodied uh, red zone offense, offensive line fullback all the better. Mm-hmm. You so, know, you can make, make Ricard more of a defensive lineman, but still have him available. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, considering the move from Marty Morningway to Greg Roman and, and really investing in the Lamar Jackson offense, it sounds to me like you are out on smaller, speedy, route-running type of wideouts. Like maybe a Riley Ridley. Absolutely. I don't or... want to see John Brown. I don't want to see John Brown 2.0. I mean, we. it was pretty obvious that at least for now, Lamar Jackson's strength is throwing the ball over the middle. Mm-hmm. We've got two young, potentially dynamic tight ends with Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. Then you add in a monster, potential monster like a DK Metcalf or a playmaker like a Nikhil Harry, the, the guy that we wanted Crabtree to be. Then, great. At that point, after we've developed the, the dynamic chain-moving offense that I think we can have along with the running game, then we can find that smaller, speedy wideout. You know, I, I feel like you can find a John Brown. You you can't find the Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson, monster wide receivers. And I'm not trying to say either of these guys are, are Hall of Fame level mm-hmm. wide receivers like those guys. I don't mean to say that. But you've got to try to get that guy. And I think that's what the Ravens need, not another John Brown. Gotcha. So, I mean, does, does the uh, lack of success with early wideout picks in the past kind of scare you a little bit? Or... Do you think that was more so on the players rather than the development staff? I think it's all of the above. Yeah. And yes, it worries me. I mean, and part of the reason I don't want a small wide receiver is I just look at Mark Clayton, you know, or Travis Taylor, you know, some of these guys that weren't, you know, big body wide receivers that could get the job done. I mean, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just over that style of offense i think if we're gonna be if we're gonna have this dominating you know run run you style of offense we're also gonna need wide receivers that can block mm-hmm. you know so having that smaller speedy guy on the outside isn't gonna help that at all i i can buy what you're saying but i'm going to counter your wide receiver picks and your running back picks. And I'm going to say that we should either pick 
somebody on the defensive side of the ball or somebody on the interior offensive line. So my thought is, you know, we, we finished last season with the number one or number two defense, depending on which stat you're looking at. Now we are potentially losing several key guys on that defense. Why, you know, when there are some pieces still in place on that top defense, why not reload that, have that number one defense as your rock, and then see what you can do with, with some pieces around Lamar Jackson that you can add via free agency or, you know, the middle rounds in the draft. So some defensive guys that I'm looking at. Number one, well, well, the first two are, are small school guys. The first one is uh, Nasir Adderley from uh, Delaware. So we, you know, we've picked a guy from Delaware in the first round before. Another blue hen. Another yep. blue. Yeah, the blue first hen. guy. Nine. The first guy worked out pretty well, but Nasir Adderley is somebody that can do it all. You know, he's that center field type of safety that I enjoy so much. We started talking about Ed Reed this podcast. You know, Adderley can play that center field. He can play a little bit of man. He's physical. He can tackle. He returns punts. He returns kicks. The guy does it all. And if you're a little bit worried about him coming from a small school, he showed very well at the Senior Bowl. So the Senior Bowl, he stacked up against Power 5 talent, uh, guys that are trying to you know boost their draft stock a little bit. And he showed really well. He showed really well. I think that kind of speaks to, you know, he is just a high-quality player. And, you know, I think that he would be worth a look at 22 in the first round if somebody else hasn't picked him before. The second small school guy is a guy named Jalen Ferguson, a defensive end from Louisiana Tech. He broke Terrell Suggs' sack record this year, and he too, I mean, is just a physical beast. He's got a ton of potential. He's a big guy. You know, we're losing a guy like Brent Urban. If you can stick a first-round pick in next to guys like Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams and, you know, the other guys along that defensive line, all of a sudden, that front gets really scary, and, uh, you know, teams can't run the ball. You, you, You let your linebackers work, and, you know, it starts in the trenches, as we always say, so, you know, reinvest in that defensive line, and that might work out. The third guy, or the third, I guess, position that I look at is middle linebacker, and it really depends on if we bring back a guy like C.J. Mosley. You know, if we bring back C.J. Mosley, then that's obviously one less hole that we have to plug via the draft. But if we don't, you know, the guy that really stands out to me is Devin White from LSU, and, and I know that He's probably not going to be on the board at 22. He's probably going to go top 10, top 15. You know, he's not even going to be close uh, to to when the Ravens pick. Now, the other guy is Devin Bush from Michigan. And he is a really explosive guy. He can play sideline to sideline. You know, he's got that grit from the Big Ten. You see the hardball connection. You know, John and and Ozzie have picked guys out of Michigan for the past couple years since John, uh, since, uh, Jim has been there, you know, that could be a possibility too. I mean, Devin Bush is a really high quality player. So, I mean, he's being looked at in that late first round um, range. So it really kind of depends on what he does in the combine maybe to show some of that athleticism. But he's a really quality player too. If we flip over to the offensive line, uh, there's a few guys that I want to keep an eye on. The first one is Dalton Risner from Kansas State. You know, he's, he's played tackle, but... 
I think he probably projects more so as a guard in the NFL. And, you know, that is our position of need along the offensive line. So, you know, plug him into left guard next to a guy like Ronnie Stanley. You know, all of a sudden you have, you know, Ronnie Stanley first round pick, Dalton Risner first round pick, Marshall Yonda potential Hall of Famer. Uh, Orlando Brown, who could have been a first-round pick if it hadn't been for that disastrous combine. So all of a sudden, you know, it doesn't really matter who you have blocking on the outside. You know, Lamar Jackson and um, Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon can really bruise people between the tackles. And, uh, you know, you kind of get that end result anyway. So... You know, those are just some ideas that I had outside of the uh, wide receiver position that might be possibilities at 22. Now, the other option is if the Ravens trade down. What do you think about a trade down here, maybe later into the first round or potentially back all the way into the second round and pick up some more picks? Well, you know, I I actually think that... I, it sucks, but I think we can always say that's that's a likely scenario. I mean, now, I, who knows, though, because obviously, as we've said, this is Eric Dacosta's first draft, you know, so maybe he he won't go the, the typical Ozzie Newsom route and trade down like they typically do every year, I think. I think there's nothing nothing worse than getting fired up for the draft and, and sitting there to the end, you know, waiting through the end of the first round just to see us trade back. And, you know, we end up taking Dan Cody, you know, um, so, oh, man, you know, what a name, uh, Mike. you know, yeah, I, I mean, I, that's, that's the only thing I worry about. We, you know, our record in the second round is not stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, not that, you know, obviously if we, I'd be ecstatic if we traded back and still ended up with, you know, Nikhil Harry or, or maybe even, you know, Nikhil Harry and DK Metcalf because we traded back and made some moves. I mean, something like that would be pretty freaking amazing. But, mm-hmm. you know, that probably very, very unlikely. But, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I think, I think you know, this is definitely going to be a draft where we're going to see where, how Eric DaCosta likes to run the show. You know, is he going to want to come in and make a, make a statement? Uh, I don't know that he's that type of guy you know he doesn't seem to me the guy that wants to you know throw all his stuff on the table and say here I am you mm-hmm. know uh, here I come I'm gonna make some moves that doesn't seem like Eric DaCosta so I wouldn't like to see it in some respects I think trading down is probably more likely than not yeah so here's my here's my take on the second round pick you know everybody's freaking out like oh we don't have a second round pick what are we gonna do but we forget that we used that second-round pick to get a second first-round pick last year. And we got Lamar Jackson for that yeah, second-round pick. we got pick. Lamar Jackson. Now, yeah. the other thing about Absolutely. the second-round pick is that wanting a second-round pick so badly means that people think that there is first-round talent that will be available in the second round. Is that true? I mean, like, is, yeah. that, the, is that like the general idea that that you know people consensus of the talent yeah i mean is that it i mean do you mean the talent in this year's draft or are you saying the thinking of people that want a second round pick the latter so so basically what i'm trying to say that must be you know people are just worried about not having draft pick inventory i mean i think that's what it comes down to you know i think 
they just go at this point they're like oh crap well it's like the same thing when we traded for Kyle Bowler it's like you know I mean not that that worked out but this same idea of the next year you're like oh crap we don't have we only have a second round pick and blah 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 it's like well that's because we made moves the year before that everybody was excited about you know yeah I mean I think it's just like I said people are worried about draft capital I don't know I, I guess the point that, that you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to make is that if there is first-round talent that people are so excited about drafting in the second round, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with trading back. Because if you're still getting first-round talent and you're yeah. comfortable with the first-round talent that will be available in the second round, then why not add some more picks that way? The other thing to remember is that we're going to get a compensatory pick for Ryan Jensen, which will be a third-round pick. So if there's first-round talent that's going to be available... Or at least available, we hope that. Yeah. Right. So if there's going to be first-round talent that's available in the second round, then that probably means that there's second-round talent available in the third round. And that's where we use that compensatory pick to grab second-round talent in the third round, right? So what are people freaking out about? I don't understand So that's it. where we – That's where you're saying that's where we pick Dan Cody is the third round. Yeah, that's where we right, get Dan right. Cody. And we can feel more okay about um. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, so I, I'm I'm not really understanding uh, this whole panic about not having a second round pick. I I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I I I totally agree with you. I mean, it's 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 the way of the world when you you know you want to make people trade. You want to everyone wants to be excited and see us make moves and trades, but that that means we're trading draft picks. So at some point, you're not going to have a pick in a certain round because you made a move. You know. Yeah. Um, I think people are just, they want something to, to talk about, I think, which is why we have a podcast, right? (laughs) I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I mean, we're still here talking about a second round thing. So I guess, I guess we're in that same crowd with everybody else, but you brought up the topic. So I guess you wanted to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, man. I didn't think I would be one of those people, but I guess I am. Are are there any other prospects that you look at? I mean, you know, maybe outside of that first round, just some names that you want to throw out. Be like, hey, maybe the Ravens should take a look at this guy. Not yet. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, not yet. I think I'm probably going to start doing a little bit more research, I guess, when the the combine is this week. And we'll learn more. You know, some of these guys, you know, you could see somebody like a Nikhil Harry who's not expected to have a blazing 40 time. If he, if he, you know, runs a 4-4 instead of the 4-6 that people are expecting, he's suddenly vaulting into the mid-first round. Mm-hmm. You know, same with DK Metcalf. If, if there's going to be small school prospects that, you know, like like the guy from, from Delaware you mentioned that had huge senior bowls or – you know, that, that maybe don't do as well as people think when they get the measurables of the combine and they fall, you know, where they should be taken earlier, but they're going to fall based off of stupid measurable numbers. And then they're going to be the guys that shouldn't be picked like the, you know, Mike Mamoulas of the world from mm-hmm. way back in the day. You know, so there, there's still a lot to be, to be said on, you know, draft rankings and potential orders. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of talking around, but that's a lot to say that I'd, I still need to, to do some research on my end. But how about you? 
So I do have a couple names, and, and the first two are going to be kind of Homer picks because I went to Maryland. Uh, Darnell Savage Jr. is kind of like a nickel, uh, strong safety kind of combo player. You know, he's you know got all the grit in the world. He can make the plays that he that you need him to make. He's not going to really wow you with anything, but you know he he had some interceptions this year, always around the ball. So he's like. A good player to have on your team, I think. Uh, the second guy from Maryland is By- Byron Coart. He's a defensive lineman. He was like a five-star recruit, went to Auburn, and then transferred to Maryland. He had one really solid year. You know, not tremendous stats, but he has the ability to contribute at the NFL level, too. So those are those are two guys from Maryland. Uh, what about a guy like Hunter Renfro, little slot receiver from Clemson? You know, he can probably make some plays um, over the middle for, for Lamar Jackson. And then one uh, not as highly heralded guy, but a guy from Northwestern State University, Jazz Ferguson. He's a six foot five, 223-pound wide receiver, and he shattered that school's receiving records. He was a former top recruit that committed to LSU, went there for two years and had to transfer away. But he hasn't been garnering that top round attention. So if he is available in the middle to late rounds, you know, that's the type of guy that that you might be able to take a flyer on and see, you know, what can he do? So if you miss out on big body guys like Harry and Metcalf, you know, some there are some other guys that might be available later on. So just a couple guys to keep an eye on. I, I don't know if anybody sounds familiar uh, to you in that list, but uh, what do you think of those? Well, I'll tell you, tell you what. We, we chatted a little bit about, about Jazz Ferguson before we were recording, and I checked out some of his highlights. And wow, that guy, that guy's got some, some size and some talent, too. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think at this point, you know, a perfect world, for me, it would be seeing guys like, you know, Nikhil Harrier, DK Metcalf fall to the end of the first or early second. And then we end up having, you know, wide receiver from the early second round, but then we have two thirds, three fourth round picks, and boom, we're cooking with gas in the middle rounds. And that's where you can take a guy like a Jazz Ferguson in that third or fourth round where you have multiple picks. So that could be. That could be good stuff, man. That's mm-hmm. that's a that's a nice find. I'm gonna have to keep reading up more about Jazz Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple other big body guys, but man, Jazz Ferguson, that name, his look, I mean, yeah, he's a guy that I would be very interested to see how he fits on the Ravens. So you know, we covered a lot of stuff. I think we'll be back in a couple weeks after the combine, after some more information comes out about these prospects. We'll dig deeper into some trade talk, some Steelers trade talk, other draft prospects, and to see where the Ravens go in free agency. So, Holly, you want to sign us off? Well, guys, it's been a fun offseason so far. I think it's going to only get better. It's going to be a big one for Eric DaCosta and all of us Ravens fans. So, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll come back to you soon here with Crab Takes and Football. Go Ravens! Go Ravens! Go Ravens!